What's up, y'all? This is John and Wes back with another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. This is our week five preview episode. Very sad. Very, very sad. But on this episode, we are going to... I don't know, man. We're almost going to be a Big 12 podcast on this episode because there's so many good games of the Big 12. But we're going to preview our opinion of the best games of the weekend um, that I probably will not be able to watch most of. Thanks, Hurricane Ian. And at the end of this episode, we're going to have Adam Spencer join us to help talk about the Missouri program. Um, I know Wes and I are super excited to talk to Adam. So we really hope you guys enjoy it. And then we'll come back after the interview to talk about it just a little bit more. Um, but Wes, have you started drinking anything yet or am I still alone? You're still alone right now. <sighs> Make me feel like a damn alcoholic. <laughs> but I've got this ASW Fiddler Soloist straight bourbon whiskey, Hunter Proof on the front of the label not even coordinated with them it says nothing finer on it so that's a hell of a damn whiskey let's go ahead and get into these let's go ahead and get into these games man like i'm super excited i'm gonna have to uh good binge week. watch youtube when i get power back it's a good week i'll let you know how everything's going yeah text me <laughs> when i probably won't have service because they're gonna knock out cell towers and shit it's be great it's gonna be great what, Ian? yeah and she doesn't listen to this. She won't. She'll never know I said it. My sister-in-law is about to be sixteen, and her first boyfriend's name is Ian. So thanks a lot, Ian. Is going to be uh, trending. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it's great. She's not going to know what the hell I'm talking about when I say it, but it's going to be fine. <laughs> so, do you want to start off with the Big Twelve games or go into SEC first? Please start with the Littleton. The Littleton. What games are going on in the Littleton? No, Big 12. Okay, yeah, we start with a little 12. Little defense, big offense for these teams. Yeah. Go ahead and start off with the somehow dropped 12 spots in the AP poll, Oklahoma Sooners. They are playing the Texas Christian University Horned Frogs, which is just, for some, for their mascot to be horned and they're a Christian University, that is wild to me. Um, But TCU has effectively beat the brakes off a team so far this year. Their offense is arguably one of the best in the country. I think they're top five in passing offense this year with quarterback Dugan, Duggan, whatever his name is. Can't even pronounce it right. Doesn't matter. <laughs> TCU beat Pac-12 Colorado 38-13. FCS Tarleton, Tarleton, not Charleston, Tarleton. University 59-17. Then they beat SMU, who is a pretty good program, 42-34. This week they have Oklahoma coming off a home loss to Kansas State. The spread is Oklahoma minus 6.5. The over-under is 67.5. That may possibly be the largest over-under that we've <laughs> talked about this year. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I did some little research uh -oh. on how TCU got the name Horned Frogs. Okay. So, back in 1987, or 1897, I'm sorry, um, the yearbook staff was looking for a name. Um, they were then called 
Adran Christian University. Um, but apparently their football field was covered with small but mighty horned lizards. So how'd they get frogs out of lizards? I don't I, yes. So they're not a biology school. Got it. <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna name your school the TCU horn or the Adran horned lizards? Like Dragons. I don't know. Make something cool out of it and not <laughs> and not and not a horny frog. I I don't know. This game <laughs> I think is I I think this is gonna be a good game. Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma is already over a thousand yards on the season. Well, I mean, that's not saying much because I mean Stats is over a thousand yards too. If you're not over a thousand yards at this point, are you even a quarterback? Because Will Levis is over a thousand yards. Surprisingly, Jackson Dart isn't. But yeah. Well, that's because they swapped quarterbacks for the first few games and he was hurt a little bit in the third game. Yeah. But yeah. I I think this is going to be a great game. Um, I really hope Marvin Mims goes off because he's on my fantasy team. I don't even want to talk about fantasy. (laughs) Yeah, Wes is on the struggle bus. I mean, I got Elijah Gray, so hopefully he does something. Eric Gray? Yeah, whoever the hell Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I knew he was good when he was at Tennessee, so. That's fair. That's fair. All right, so for this one, spread is six and a half. Who do you have on the spread? Spread or straight up? We'll do spread first, then straight up. Minus, who is it? Oklahoma minus six? Oh, yeah, TCU spread. TCU plus six and a half. Oh, okay. What about straight up? Straight up TCU. So you have the you have Oklahoma losing back to back games to purple teams. The purple teams apparently purple is their nemesis. Um, no, I watching that game against Oklahoma State. They're running back or not? Sorry, not their running back. Their defense obviously can't stop a running quarterback. Like you mean you, that game against Kansas State? What I say? Oklahoma State, dude. Why am I acting drunk? I'm not even drinking. Um. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they they can't stop a quarterback. Like their defense is obsolete like it is every year. Um every year they get hyped up and every year they just shit the bed, except for back when they had Baker. Pulled an Amber Heard on that one. <laughs> hey. But no, I I like TCU. I like TCU straight up. I like TCU to cover, but Oklahoma straight up. I think if they lose a game back-to-back, that um, I think that fan base is going to be extremely upset. And I think that's pretty much not an option for them. But this game is at TCU, which is an important thing. And it is a noon kickoff, which uh, 11 a.m. Central start for this game. I've got TCU to cover, but Oklahoma to win. All right, all right. Hey, man, them horny lizards. Them horny lizards, they got to do something. (laughs) So we'll go ahead and stay in the Big 12 for this one. Like I said, guys, this is a Big 12 heavy episode, but there's a lot of good games going on in the conference this week. Texas Tech, who just beat 
Texas, and Kansas State, who just beat Oklahoma. So the two teams that beat the Big 12 favorites are now facing off just one week later. Kansas State is an eight-point favorite at home, and the over-under is 57 and a half. God. We know that neither of these teams has a good defense. No. You can get into this game for as low as $20 if you are in the uh, Kansas area. The Manhattan area. Yeah. Honestly, if I was close, I'd go to this game. Right? That'd be a fun game. So, I mean, we all know Adrian Martinez just went off against Oklahoma last week. But Texas Tech's quarterback has 1,116 yards. He's a little bit interception prone, but he does have nine touchdowns on the season. Adrian Martinez has 538 yards passing through the first few games and two touchdowns. Bro, Adrian Martinez is 62 for 100. Yeah, um, I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a math guy, but that's not good. That's, I mean, it's over fifty percent. <laughs> Still not great. Jesus, you know, but, I was, I was gonna go with Kansas State. Until I just saw that stat. But you got to look down a block and look at the rushing yards. Texas Tech's leading rusher has 168 yards on the season. Yeah. And Kansas State has one of the best running backs in the country, Deuce Vaughn, with 468 yards through four games. I don't know, man. <laughs> this is definitely a tough one to pick. I'm actually going to go back <laughs> and check the stats for this uh, Tennessee or this Texas Texas Tech game. Like I said, I was going to know KSU. I was going to roll them, you know, have them continue that hot streak, but. You know what? I'll go ahead and take this one. I got I got Kansas State. Yeah. Winning. Uh, you know what? Let's say wins and covers. I think Adrian Martinez is going to have a good rushing game because with a backup quarterback in, Texas Tech still gave up over 150 yards on the ground to Texas. And we all know Texas's offensive line has not been great this year. They got a lot of youth on that offensive line or that defensive line. I think uh, I think Kansas State another just phenomenal rushing performance. I think they pull this one out, win and cover. What about you? I think Texas Tech. I think they continue that the high from Texas. I mean, looking at their games, you know, this season they played Houston, went to double overtime. They beat Houston, then ranked twenty fifth. You know, we talked about that earlier this week, and then they beat Texas. They had a close game against NC State, which a lot of people have picked to win the ACC. They're not a bad team. Their quarterback, yes, he is turnover prone, but I, I think Texas Tech pulls it out. So you've got them to win and cover. So we are both different on this one. Uh, what was the cover? Eight and a half? Eight. Eight. No, they don't cover, but I think they win. Okay. So you got Kansas State to cover, Texas Tech to win. Yeah. On ESPN Plus, so if you wanted to be entertained at noon, there's two good games. You just can't watch them at the same time. We know all about ESPN Plus. Thanks a lot, ESPN. Next game from the Big 12. Like I said, we are Big 12 heavy this week, but this is I think this is going to be the last game we talk about unless Wes wants to go over another one. 
We've got Oklahoma State at Baylor. Spread is two and a half points in Baylor's favor. And the over-under is 56 and a half. Oklahoma State's quarterback, and they've already had a bye week. They're 3-0. and They've had a bye week. Through oh. three games, Spencer Sanders has 916 yards, 10 touchdowns, one interception. And on the other side, you've got Shapin for Baylor, who's got 69% completion. Cut nice. 773 yards, seven touchdowns, one interception. So neither of the teams turn the ball over very much, but I just can't – I can't, in my mind, unsee the mistakes that they made against BYU when BYU's defense is not that great, and that's what's carried Oklahoma State the past two years. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I think I'm going to go with – Oklahoma State to win outright, which means they cover the two and a half. Ooh. I don't know if I'm putting money on this one because I am not, not super, uh, I am not super confident in it. But I'm riding with the Cowboys. I think they win the conference this year. Yeah. So, I mean, the over-under is 56 and a half. Like, that's. These over-unders have been absurd. But, you know, looking at the games, you know, OSU has steamrolled everybody they've played, you know, so far. And they got rested. Yeah. They've played Central Michigan, Arizona State, um, Arkansas Pine Bluff. The closest game was, what, Central Michigan, 58-44? Yep, week oh. one, they had a 14-point win against Central Michigan. Yeah. But after that, they allowed 17 points to Arizona State, and that is it. Yeah, so in the last time these two teams met in the Big Ten Championship last year, no, so I keep saying Big Ten, Big 12 Championship, Baylor won. Um, it's hard to beat a team twice in a row. <laughs> Ask Bama last year. Yeah, and Auburn in 2017. Um, I'm going to stick to my gut, and, you know, the only game that they've lost this year was double overtime to BYU, and ever since then their defense has been pretty pretty good. Um, So I'm going to stick to my guns. My son's named Baylor, so I'm going to go with Baylor. And they cover. So you've got them covering the two and a half. Yeah, and outright. And outright. Yep. All right, guys. I think the next game we're going to talk about, let's go ahead and move into the ACC real quick. You've got number 22, Wake Forest, oh, going. Hold on. Hold on. Whoa. What? How are you just going to skip over Kansas and Iowa State like that? Uh, let's go back to it then. Let me get it pulled up. How are you just going to skip over that? You know, the tale of two basketball schools. So we've got Iowa State at Kansas. Spread is Iowa State by three and a half points over under at 58 and a half. And for those of you that have not been paying attention, Kansas is putting up 
They put up 56, 55, 48, 35. That's some offense. That's some offense. Yo. <laughs> um, and then we've got Iowa State, who is a defensive-led team. I, it, I still can't figure out Iowa State this year. They've played two cupcakes and, well, three if you count Iowa. If we're being honest here, I don't think Iowa um, knows how to play offense, so I don't. I wouldn't even count that game. Yeah, they beat Iowa ten to seven, um, and then they lost to Baylor thirty-one twenty-four. I still don't understand what to expect out of the Cyclones this year. Their defense looks good one game. Their offense looks good one game. I, I still can't figure it out, but. I think I'm going to take Kansas State to cover the three and a half. <laughs> yeah, I like you know, let's just outright. I, I was about to say, I, I let's just go outright. Let's let's just do it. Yeah, no one walks into David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium and leaves without an L. All right. Well, a lot of teams have left without an L over the last few hey, years. Hey, hey, all right, this year. That's fair. This year, no one has walked out of that stadium without an L. You don't leave unscathed from David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. Hell of a name on that one, too. <laughs> and if right. you're in the area and don't want to go to the Kansas State-Texas Tech game, you can get tickets for this one for as low as $49. Wow. Dude. I wish we could get conference games to Georgia games for less than 50 bucks. <laughs> for conference tickets. Good Lord. Auburn tickets, they're going for like 200 plus right now. Yeah, because it's Auburn, even though it's going to be a fucking slaughter. That's that's tough. So is this it for the Big 12? You want to move on for, to the ACC? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on the Rock Chalk Jayhawk bandwagon right now. That was a lot of words. <laughs> so next we have number 22 Wake Forest at number 23 Florida State. The Seminoles are a six and a half point favorite with the over under at 65 and a half. <laughs> Last year was the year of the defense and turned out to be a fluke because this is wild. What, this is the third game we've picked that has an over-under of more than 60? And we've only done five so far? Is it? I think it is. Jesus. As we all know, Sam Hartman was out for the first game of the year, so he has played three games. They have a 2-1 and one record in that time. Last week, they took Clemson to double overtime and were about a foot from winning that game. Should have won that game. 962 yards, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. Now, Florida State's Jordan Travis has done well himself. They have also played four games. He's got 945 yards, but only five touchdowns to one interception. Florida State has drastically improved this season. I A lot of people were expecting their coach to get fired after this year until they upset LSU in New Orleans and then have just rattled off some some wins so far. I mean, they've got two conference wins, and they beat LSU. Yeah. Beat Louisville and Boston College. They beat Boston College by 30 points, 44-14. I 
this is another one of those that I know I'm just going to have a terrible time trying to figure out what to do with. But I think Florida State, let's take Florida State to win, but Wake to cover. Okay. I like that. Six and a half, I think, is just too big for this Wake Forest offense that if coach says they need a touchdown, they get him a touchdown. Yeah. No, I mean, like you were saying, like, from what we saw last year to this year, Florida State has been strides better than what they were last year. Um, I think the difference in this game, though, for Florida State, I I, I like Florida State. I, I like them to win. Um, no one walks into Dope Campbell unscathed. Um, well, I don't know if this has been put out at all, but um, it's possible this hurricane goes right over that stadium oh, sick. on Friday. So, is it going to be another Bears game? I was about to say, it's possible that this gets delayed or even moved. Oh, this is going to be such a good game. I hope not. But no, I think the rush game with Trayshawn Ward is going to be the difference in this game. And I like Florida State. I don't like him to saying? cover. I don't like him to cover. I like him outright. I don't, that seven and a half, that, that's kind of big for or that seven is kind of big for me, especially with what Sam Hartman and that Wake Forest offense can do. Yeah, and I think State. we're on the same page with that one. Both teams are three and one against the spread, though. So, yeah, I think I think we're on the same page with that one. I'm pretty sure every game that Sam Hartman's played in, they've covered the spread. <laughs> the only one would be the first game, right? And it's just, to me, it's amazing that he came back from a blood clot issue bad enough that he couldn't practice. They thought he was done. Yeah, he was indefinitely not playing football. And, like, three weeks later, he's like, guess what, bitches? I'm back. Here's yeah. a 1,000 yards in three games. Of course, it had to be, you know, against Vandy, but hey. Hey, Vandy still hit the season over. Dude, they might get bowl eligible. Whoa, let's, let's not go too far. You're getting a little crazy there. I mean, Missouri, that's a win. South Carolina Maybe. could be a win. They just have one more. Maybe. And they don't have any more G5 teams in their schedule. So, oh, how could we overlook this game when we were talking about it a minute ago? Number 10, NC State at number five, Clemson. The spread is Clemson minus six and a half, over under at 42 and a half. Both of these teams are coming into this game, four and oh. Devin Leary has 890 yards, nine touchdowns, two picks. DJ Uyunglele, hey. 1,033 yards, 10 touchdowns, one pick. Will Shipley looked very good early in that game against Wake Forest and continued it down the stretch, getting yards when they needed him to. DJ did not look bad. I think the difference in this game is going to be that this is really the first defense that uh, that Clemson will have played this year because Clemson has played uh, Georgia Tech, who just fired their coach for winning a total of, like, seven games in three seasons. I think, well, I think he was, like, what, 10 for 28 since they fired him or something like that? Oh, okay. So he won 10 games in three seasons. Good for him. Yeah. It was, like, 10 and 28. Like <laughs> Then Clemson played Furman, mighty Furman, Louisiana Tech, and then Wake Forest, which went to double overtime. Six and a half points. <sighs> Do you have an opinion on this one? 
I need to think about it. I love NC State. I I absolutely love NC State. Um, Rollywood is fun. If you've never been to Raleigh, you should definitely go to Raleigh. But um, yeah, no, I like NC State. That's six and a half. Them. I don't know. I see this game going into overtime, but I see NC State pulling it out and getting the win against Clemson. Because I mean, ever since that ECU game. ECU's won 55 to 3, 27 14, 41 to 10. So I like them and I I like them to to win. You know what? I I called it in preseason. Clemson loses at least one at home. I am gonna walk back that Miami pick because Miami is awful. But I you know what? I'm gonna stick with it. NC State outright at Clemson. Yep. I and I'm gonna go ahead and say um, I think Clemson has the most overrated entrance in all of football. We agree. <laughs> Virginia <laughs> Tech has a better entrance, and they're in the same conference. Yeah, let me touch a rock and run down a hill. Like, what? No, Virginia Tech, I think, has a much better entrance than Clemson. Yes, they have to walk like 200 yards. <laughs> But they're carrying the lunch pail and sledgehammers, and you've got inner Sandman going on the whole time. And they just have that entire quarter mile to just get themselves so hyped to walk into that stadium that is nuts even when they lose. I'll say, but when they were good, there was nothing beat it. Nothing beat it. Like, I remember, well, a couple years ago, Thursday night, they were the very first game, and that just set the tone for the rest of the college football season. Yeah. No, Virginia Tech entrance to me is so much better than Clemson's. So much better than Clemson's. And if these two teams switch records, ESPN would be talking about Virginia Tech and not Clemson. Well, hell, the fact that Kansas isn't even ranked, it's just because it's Kansas. But still, like, they put them in the rankings, you cowards. Yeah, you've got teams that have – Texas A&M, granted, they beat Arkansas. Okay. Texas A&M was ranked 17th, and they lost to App State. But you have 4-0 Kansas, who's beaten multiple Power 5 teams. Yeah. That's unranked. Ranked James Madison, too, you cowards. They're 3-0. First year in Division One. Yep, you're alone in that tape. <laughs> So, I think we're going to go ahead and head over to the SEC. Um, Talking about those Texas A&M Aggies going to the land of the cowbell. Mississippi State is a a three-and-a-half-point home favorite with the over-under at 46. And Mississippi State has had the defense that I said they would. They have had the offense that I said they would. They just got tripped up against LSU. And it's hard to beat LSU at home. Everybody knows this. Yeah. I I think Mississippi State, because of the style of defense that Texas A&M plays, they play a lot of zone, a lot of press man, and Mississippi State's offense is designed to beat those plays. I I don't know about covering. I don't like the hook. If it was three, if it was three, I'd say I'd take it. If it was two and a half, I'd be even happier. But I think I'm going to have to 
take A&M to cover, but Mississippi State to win outright. I don't know. All I know is if you're in Stark Vegas, you can go to this game for as low as $14. That, bro, I almost want to go to Stark Vegas just to get out of the hurricane. $14 for Texas A&M, Mississippi State. That's crazy. I don't know. I'm not. I haven't been impressed with A&M. Um, Mississippi State. I, I don't. Honestly, I haven't looked too much into them. Um, I probably should. The only game they lost, like you said, was to LSU. But Jimbo has A&M on a high right now. That defense is good. I like A&M outright. 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 I think they covered. I. I, I don't think. It's as close as people – it's not as close as the experts think. I, I think it's going to be not a runaway, but it's not going to be close for A&M. How much does it change your mind that the turnover-prone Texas A&M Aggies are going up against a team that's four six turnovers in four games? Absolutely. And they're without – and they're without A-Chain – or not A-Chain, Anaya Smith this game. Okay, I was about to say, if they're without A-Chain, then yeah, they definitely change that. I don't know. Like you've got Max Johnson, who has not beaten a three-three-five Mississippi State defense in his career, going up against the team that's for six turnovers without his top receiver. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at the numbers now. I mean, rush is definitely going to be a big. Cause Mike Leach does, obviously doesn't rush. He actually has this season. Surprisingly they 80, enough, they have eighty yards per game. Okay. <laughs> the the thing about rushing with the air raid offense is that you don't have to get yards. You have to get the linebackers the to take those two steps forward yeah. to respect the run enough for you to get the pass. God, I hate you. you know, Ride with still, the Bulldogs. I, I'm not changing it. I'm still going with A&M. A&M. All right. So you – if you made your own line for this game, thinking A&M is going to win, what do you think they're going to win by? Two and a half. Well, you just said they were going to win by more than the spread. Did I? Yeah. I you said, I don't think they're going to run away, but I think they're going to win easily. Yeah, but then you threw those stats out there. <laughs> I still, I think it's close now that you threw that. The <laughs> but, I, but I still like A&M. If Anaya Smith was in this game... I may have picked A&M. Anaya uh, Smith being out of this game is what is driving me to stick with the Mississippi State Bulldogs. But if you look at his games, one reception, four, four, six, he hasn't really done anything. His most receptions besides against Sam Houston State was against Miami, and he had 74 yards. The thing about Anaya Smith is that he is their most veteran receiver, right? Obviously, all the other guys are freshmen. Yeah. But the thing that we always talk about with Georgia receivers, his downfield blocking opens up that run game. Yeah. And young receivers do not block downfield that well. Yeah. I don't know. I still like A&M. A&M? All right. I couldn't talk you out of it. We will see. Nope. We will see. 
So, in the 3.30 CBS game of the week, number two, Alabama at number 20, Arkansas, going into Fayetteville as 17-point favorites. The over-under is at 61. And also, if you take the Arkansas spread on this to just lose by less than 17 points, you have plus 550 money. Jesus. And you know what? Matt Landers is leading Arkansas in receiving yards. Good for you, Matt. Glad you found somewhere to make a home. Yeah, where's um, isn't Jermaine Burns supposed to be making like a difference or something for Alabama? I'll look that up. So, what do you think about what do you think? Uh, Jermaine Burton showed up against Vanderbilt. He's known for that. Everyone shows up against Vanderbilt. 12 catches for 155 yards is Jermaine Burton's um, Jermaine Burton season stats. Mm. When I think Brock Bowers has had that in at least two games this year. Mm. Weird. Um, yeah. As much but, as I hate picking against Sam Pittman, <laughs> Alabama. To win and cover or to win? To win. I don't think they cover. Yeah, we're on we're on the same we're on the same boat there. I don't know of any injuries on Arkansas's team, and I could 100 percent be wrong on that. The only uh, thing is, Bama's three and one against the spread. Obviously, the one game being Texas. Arkansas's two and two against the spread. But in their last two or the two games they didn't cover the spread were their last two games being Missouri State and Texas A and M. They covered the spread with AM. They were only they were plus two. You're right. There wasn't a hook on that one. So I don't know. Right. Does, that count, does that count as a loss? I don't know. No, so there must have been a hook on uh on Caesars, because that's who ESPN uses. Yeah, because I got that for two. I, I thought it was free money. The, I got my money back. So the more I sit here and think about this the more I struggle to say that Arkansas covers just because of how porous their past defense has been. Ooh. I, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't have sat with it because now we're both second-guessing. You know what? I hate to do it. I I think Bama wins and covers. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they've allowed 302 passing yards. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm going to have to take both. Unfortunately, as much as I hate picking against Sam Pittman, I might have to go with the cover and the the outright. I hate it. I hate it. I do – I think Arkansas is able to move the ball on this team, so I think they go over that 61. Yeah, because Vandy scored against Vandy for the first time in like 5,000-something days. Yep, Vandy scored three points against Bama. It looked like they were going to get a touchdown on that drive. They I got down watch. to Bama's 20. Really? I didn't watch that game. I was watching the uh, the game cast on ESPN. Yeah. But, well, that just that hurt us both a little bit more than we want to talk about. <laughs> Are there any other Kentucky Ole Miss? How was I about to skip Kentucky yeah, I was about Ole to Miss? Say. Number seven, Kentucky, going to Oxford against the number 14 Ole Miss Landshark Bear Rebels. Ole Miss is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, over-under at 55-and-a-half. I think that over-under is low. Yeah. 
That is a low over under. I I have not been impressed by Kentucky so far this year. Crazy. If I'm being completely honest. At the beginning of the season. Yeah, I. Will Levis, yes, he has almost 1,200 yards passing. You know what he also has? Four interceptions. But Chris Rodriguez is back for this game. C-Rod is back. He's off of his four-game suspension, and UK managed to go 4-0 and without him. Yeah, I guess Miami of Ohio, Florida, Youngstown State, and Northern Illinois. Hey, Northern Illinois is a good team now. Don't hate. What? I, you know what? Northern Illinois was lost to Vanderbilt in almost the same market margin they lost to Kentucky. <laughs> I This is a hard one for me. Ole Miss's offense has not looked good so far this year. At yeah, least their yeah. passing offense. Their rushing offenses look looked very good, I actually. Um and Ole Miss actually right now is top 10 scoring defense in the country, which they've played a bunch of no-names in Georgia Tech, so that's not necessarily surprising. So a bunch of no-names. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if Georgia Tech can be counted as a Power 5 school this year. <sighs> I think I think I'm going to take Kentucky straight up. Yeah, I was going to go with that, which is weird. Um, because the top 25 came out yesterday. Yep. Or not yesterday, on Sunday, because this will come out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if you look at the top 10, four from the East. The East is bad. Yeah, but the East is supposed to be the, I believe it's four. It's either three or four. It's three, I'm sorry. Yeah. But the East is the problem. With the SEC. You know what? Just like the rest of the conference, it's top-heavy. The problem is the top is about half of the East. <laughs> so. I, I'm taking Kentucky outright, cover the six-and-a-half, win this game. Yeah. I mean, Ole Miss does have those new um, real tree helmets that they're wearing, which I don't know if I like them yet. They haven't grown on me yet. I keep looking at them. They haven't grown on me yet. First look, I like it because I'm a big tie-dye fan. It, it does look tie-dye. I'm big, I'm big tie-dye fan. So, I like it. But I still – I don't know if it's enough for uh, for Ole Miss to pull it out. I, like I said, I've got Kentucky straight up. Yeah. I'm, that's what we both agree on. I don't oppose on that. All right, guys. So now we're going to go into the Georgia-Missouri game. What we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and cut to this interview with Adam. And then after that, we're going to make our picks for this game. As you all know, we try to get different perspectives against every Power 5 team that Georgia plays against. Um, And this week is absolutely no different. We have Adam Spencer from Saturday Down South with us tonight to help us get a better insight into the Missouri football program. So, Adam, if you would, go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners and give a little bit of backstory. Yeah, I'm uh, Adam. I'm the news editor for Saturday Down South, Saturday Tradition, Saturday Road, Saturday Out West. So all of our brands here at uh, under the Saturday Down South umbrella. Um, 
been doing that for a few years now. Uh, graduated from Missouri in 2012, so right before they joined the SEC. Um, but yeah, I've been a been was there for the for the glory days. Uh, you know, the the 2008 through uh, 2012 seasons were pretty pretty solid. So uh, saw some good football while I was there. Um, and yeah, so uh, eager to join y'all and uh, and talk some uh, some. I mean, I'm not eager for the game on Saturday, but eager to talk about <laughs> it at least. Yeah, it's. Um, I feel like it would have been better for Missouri if Georgia had blown out Kent State the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, probably so. So, are you? If you're drinking, what are you drinking, Wes? Are you back on some apple cider or something? I am. I am. Like I said, it's a staple up here. 30 minutes from Canada. So, you know, I got to get some good apple cider while I'm up here. <laughs> what about I've you? Got, uh, there's, uh, there's nothing finer than uh, a, a Missouri brew. It's called uh, Bud Light. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, one of Missouri's best, maybe one of America's best. So It definitely is. That's, that's my go-to. It, it's hard to beat a cold Bud Light. It really is. Right. <laughs> I am once again back on the ASW Fiddler Soloist out of Atlanta. Um, pretty good. Put a put a pretty good dent in this bottle between recording yesterday and getting home from work at seven twenty-five tonight. Jeez. <laughs> So we'll go ahead and jump into this uh, breakdown. But before that, I just want to say we want to hear the good stuff. Coming from the Georgia side, we're hearing all the negatives about Mizzou. And, I mean, I think we've said it on this podcast. We don't know how much longer drink has, but we want to hear the positives. So, I mean, you talked about it a minute ago. Missouri was very good in the early 2010s, late 2000s. They've... I said it when we recorded yesterday, Missouri has an SEC title more recently than South Carolina and Tennessee and pretty much every team that's not Georgia and Florida. I mean, fantastic history of edge rushers, quarterbacks. So I put this stat in here, five losing records over the last 22 seasons. It's better than Mississippi State, who's got 11, Ole Miss, who has nine, Tennessee Volunteers, who now have seven, and Vanderbilt has had under 500 records for 17 out of the last 22 seasons. So the people that say Missouri is not an SEC program are ignorant at best. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The positives are there, there's really not a ton of negatives about this year's team. Honestly, like the defense is better. I, we saw that on uh on Saturday at Auburn, you know, they, they held Auburn to 17 points. Uh, three of those points came in overtime. You know, they, after a couple of Tank Bigsby in the first half and Robbie Ashford in the first half using their legs, they stonewalled the, the Auburn running back. They, they really did. They didn't, they let uh, Coy Moore make a couple of big plays, um, but he didn't get into the end zone. And, uh, you know, the defense is much better than last year's unit that was like hilariously bad against the run. Um, the past, the, the secondary is loaded. So, you know, I think, I think Drinkwitz has done a good job, both recruiting freshmen as evidenced by the number one class that Mizzou has had in its history this year, uh, led by Luther Burden, obviously. Um, and, and he's worked the transfer portal well too, especially on that defensive side of the ball where, where they've needed 
some some reinforcements in a big way. So so those are those are the positives, and and those are like pretty strong positives. You know, he's working he, to, to the running game too. I mean, obviously everybody remembers Nate Pete fumbling it out the back of the end zone, um, but. <laughs> You know, they were they were moving the ball on the ground. So really, the the and they have a talented receiving core. So really, the the two problems on this year's team are the quarterback position. Brady Cook's not cutting it. There's no two ways around that. And Drinkwitz's play calling isn't putting Brady Cook in a position to succeed. So those are the two real things. And I think that that can be fixed by seeing what they have in Sam Horn, the freshman. Uh, who's going to be the future of the program if they and if he's not then they have to get a guy from the transfer portal and uh, they need to hire an offensive coordinator Drinkwitz can still call the plays he just needs another voice in his ear to talk him out of some of these stupid long developing run and passing plays so that's where that's where I'm at that's my uh, that's my opening opening rant on Mizzou there (laughs) I like it I like it so speaking of uh, Luther Burden um does he stay at Missouri and why is the answer no? And is he coming to Georgia? I mean, I'm worried about it now. This is part of why I said you, you gotta you gotta see if Sam Horn's the future. Like <laughs> Brady, he's not staying if Brady Cook's gonna go into 2023 as the starting quarterback. I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> so, so you gotta see you gotta see what you have in Sam Horn. Uh, you know, last year they threw Tyler Macon to the Wolves, starting him for that. That's the only start that he's made. And it was against Georgia last year. Yeah. I don't know if, if they're judging him based on that, which I mean, you you could put Aaron you could put Aaron Rodgers in against that uh, that that Georgia defense last year, and he'd only be okay, you know. So I I don't know what they're expecting from uh, from Tyler Macon from that, but you know, I would have wanted to see a little bit more of him this preseason and uh, and you know the scrimmages and stuff. Um, but I think you got Sam Horn out because um, if he's good. And he can get the ball to Luther Burden, which Brady Cook cannot. You know, somebody on a somebody on a Mizzou message board uh, said today they're like, we can NASA can crash a, uh, a a satellite into a asteroid seven million miles away within twenty feet of the target, and Brady Cook can't throw a football twenty feet within the reach of his receivers. <laughs> like, I was like, wow, that is harsh, but I mean, it's uh, you know, you got so you got to find a quarterback. If you find a quarterback, Luther Burden stays. As simple as that. <laughs> so this is another question that was not on the outline, but I just thought of it. So I hope it's all right. How different would this team be if JT Daniels had gone to Missouri instead of West Virginia? <laughs> well, it's not just JT. They missed out on both Daniels, JT Daniels and Jaden Daniels. Um, and then they were also in the Emory Jones mix. They were in the, the Jerry Bohannon mix. They, they missed out on all those guys. And uh, it really hurt. <laughs> it, it really hurt. Um, you know, I don't know that Jaden Daniels would have made – like, he's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Jaden Daniels is – but, uh, you know, he's not exactly making Keishon Boutte happy down there right now. So, uh, so you know, but JT Daniels, I think, is the kind of guy that they really needed. Uh, and and I, I really think that this team is 3-1, uh, and one, maybe 4-0 and oh if, they, if they have JT Daniels at the court. Because, like I said, like I said, the – the the defense isn't the problem. The running game isn't the problem. The play calling and the quarterback are the problems. And yeah. I don't know how much of it is, you know, which is which is the chicken, which is the egg. I don't know. You know, like is it is the is Brady Cook bad because he's not getting the right plays called for him, or is Drinkwitz not able to call better plays because he doesn't trust Brady Cook to execute? I don't know the answer to that, but 
if it doesn't get sorted out soon, this is going to become a lost season really quickly. Yeah. So to, to kind of get into it here, we'll start at the ground and work our way up. So what's, what's recruiting like in Como right now? Good. I mean, they're coming off of the, they're coming off of the best recruiting class in school history. Um, and, you know, obviously a lot of that has to do with landing burden, who was the number three overall player in the two, four, seven sports rankings. Not a lot of five-star guys come to Missouri these days, but uh, if he, succeeds then uh, maybe a few more do because the st louis area is pretty talent rich kansas city has has plenty of uh, has plenty of guys too it's a good spot to get quarterbacks from um so you know there's there's plenty of talent in the state it's just about keeping you know the the top uh you know sec uh, or the top st louis guys you know zeke elliott was from st louis they, they lose a lot of these guys to uh notre dame to Ohio State, to Oklahoma, so you know they gotta they gotta do a little bit better at keeping keeping those guys home. But they're they're starting to they're starting to get you know the number three player on down from Missouri. It's just landing those top two guys. Um, so so recruiting is going pretty well. Um, we'll see. Th- these next few weeks are obviously going to be pretty important for the 2023 class. Um, and, you know, I, I think I think Mizzou goes into its off week two and four. I think they're going to drop the Georgia game, obviously. <laughs> they have to, uh, then they have to go uh, to Florida, which is going to be uh, tough. If that was a home game, I might think differently, but uh, you know, th- then they got to get back on track after that, after that off week. So, you know, that then we'll see if they can recruit off of that pr- much better than they have been for the 2023 cycle so far. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, we, Emory and I have said it before on this show, um, for whatever reason, Missouri is, like, Florida's, like, kryptonite. <laughs> for whatever reason. So, I'm just hoping that they can once again be their kryptonite. <laughs> I mean, that would be nice. Uh, you know, they, they were the ones that beat Florida in the first game after Jim McElwain got fired. They were obviously the last ones to beat uh, Florida before Dan Mullen got fired. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a uh, – you know, Arkansas is the only other one. You know, we've we've beaten uh, Arkansas twice to end the Brett Bielema and uh, and Chad Morris eras, but uh, you know that just comes from being the last regular season game, obviously. So, um, well, but you had a chance to end the Harsons uh, coaching. <laughs> yep, and they blew it. Uh, I I don't think that Drinkwitz is in trouble yet. Yeah. Um, just I I think that he gets this year. And, you know, if, if they don't show signs of improvement next year, that's when I think he's really on the hot seat. Um, but, you know, and, and if he doesn't answer, if he doesn't answer the quarterback question, then, uh, then, you know, 2023 might and maybe should be his last year if he can't figure that out. So what are this team's biggest strengths this year? Um, it, it's funny because the, the biggest strength on this year's team is, the one thing that they can't exploit very well without a good quarterback, the receivers loaded. Um, they've got Mookie Cooper, the Ohio state transfer. We've obviously mentioned Luther Burden. Dominic Lovett is the best of the bunch though. Uh, you know, he made that big play uh, down the sideline to, uh, to set up the game win what should have been the game winning <laughs> field goal against Auburn. Uh, you know, they, they have, uh, they have Barrett Bannister, who's one of the more reliable guys, uh, Towski Dove, uh, 
makes big plays a lot when he gets the opportunity to. So that, that's five guys in the receiving core right now that would start on most teams in the league. Like, like you know, Dominic Lovett would start at Alabama right now and be their number one guy. He would start at Georgia right now and be their number one guy, not named Brock Bowers, you know? So, so <laughs> it's just, it's just, uh, yeah, it, they have talent at the receiving core. It's just, uh, you know, I see on the outline here, the next question and just see, perfectly right into it the biggest weakness is the quarterback and you can't <laughs> it just it just doesn't it's you have you have you know it, it's it's the it's the exact opposite of you know the the saying is like the some of the parts are greater than the individual pieces and it's like that's the exact opposite for mizzou you know these individual pieces are much better they just don't have the quarterback to bring it all together right now Square peg, square hole. Just got to figure out what angle to put it in at, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what can this Missouri team do to exploit a weakness on this Georgia team? Because we saw last week the screen was murderous for Georgia. I mean, that is going to be something that they're going to have to stop. And, I, I mean, you, you said it at the top, you know, that this is probably – a situation where this was a bad thing for Mizzou that uh, that Georgia played like it did against Kent State because <laughs> Eli Drinkwitz man he loves to run the screens even though I hate the side-to-side lateral plays and the plays that just take so long to develop in the backfield you can't always do that against the Georgia defense so I mean so if, if they have if Georgia hasn't fixed that weakness then Mizzou's going to attack it they're going to try to attack it anyway because that's what their offense looks like. Um, but, you know, I, I think that they can, they can do that. I, I do think that they will be able to find some running room, especially if Jalen Carter's not uh, at 100% yet. Um, the, the offensive line has a lot of experience for Mizzou. Um, they haven't been playing particularly well so far. Um, but if, if they can put together one of their better efforts and, you know, they'll be fired up for the number one team in the country. So, you know, if they can put together one of, they, they do have a really good left tackle in Javon Foster. Um, so, so we'll see if he can, uh, if he can clear some running room for Nate Pete and, uh, and uh, uh, I forget his last right now off the top of my head, but uh, he's the guy who led all of D2 in rushing last year, who they've been uh, getting the ball to a lot. Um, so if they, it, you know, I think that they will find a little bit of running room more so than maybe most teams that play Georgia. But uh, if the screens aren't working, then uh, it's gonna it's gonna struggle. <laughs> so <clears throat> keeping it on the offensive side of the ball, it seemed like they tried to figure some things out a couple weeks ago against Abilene Christian. I know it's not a great opponent, but thirty four points, almost three hundred yards passing. And then last week they were running all over Auburn for the most part up until one guy just couldn't hold on to it there at the end. How much of that do you think they're able to carry forward going into this game? Yeah, I mean, I was I was impressed because that that Auburn defense is really good too. Like they have NFL athletes on there. Derek Hall is obviously a really really great uh, runner. Um, so you know, I, I like I like what uh, what you know they. Uh, I like what they have in the backfield. Um, it's just that, yeah, that, that Abilene Christian, they, they look good at certain times, but, uh, but like, it's just the, the whole, uh, like when Drew Locke was here, when Josh Heupel was calling plays, like these oh, were the teams man. that Mizzou put like 77 points up on. And like, yeah. so 34, 34 is not great. You know, it, it was, 
it was good to see them like bounce back from that awful loss at Kansas State. But uh, you know that that would that was a situation I wanted to, to see at least fifty points. So thirty four points, I, I, it wasn't it wasn't too impressive. Um, and I think that they lost all of that momentum against Auburn outside of that one pass to Dominic Lovett. Yeah, I don't understand. Speaking of Drew Lock, I don't understand why he got so much hate. I love watching Drew Lock play. Yeah, I mean he he didn't he didn't do well against you know the the top tier. <laughs> he didn't do well against Georgia. He didn't do well in his one game against Alabama or his one game against LSU. But like who who does you know he yeah. torched he torched uh, he torched Florida. You know they they had uh, success against South Carolina. I mean uh, Kentucky has been their kryptonite. Um, so you know Mark Stoops has always had the Mizzou offense figured out. Um, and and Drew Lack got into some shootouts with Tennessee. Those were really fun games for a couple of years. Um, but yeah, it was just because he didn't do it against Georgia and Alabama and Florida and some Florida team. It's like uh, who who does you know? Like he he had the record for the most touchdowns in a single season before uh, you know he held it for two years before Joe Burrow came in and said, "Watch this." But uh, you know, I, I agree. I I love watching Drew Lock. He's one of my all time favorite Tigers. And then, especially that 2017 game, they just went shot for shot up until the, what, halfway through the third quarter, it was still tied in that it was in Athens that year. That was, uh, I think that was one of his better performances against one of those top defenses that he ever put on. And then, for whatever reason, he just hasn't been able to find a good spot in the NFL, and that's kind of disappointing because he's always been fun to watch. I'll tell you the reason that he hasn't found, he's worked under Vic Fangio and uh, now two defensive coaches like like I was I was uh, listening to Coward show on uh, Fox Sports uh, today and you know he was saying six of the seven quarterbacks that are the lowest in the NFL through three weeks in uh, QBR are play for defensive head coaches so I mean it's just Drew Locke hasn't gotten a fair shake because he's worked with these super competitive uh or super conservative defensive coaches who just trash him publicly. And it's like, yeah, like, is he, he, he's more, he's more Brett Favre than Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I'm not comparing him to either just the style <laughs> of play. He's more of a gunslinger than a, yeah. than a, than a, than a precision guy. So you need to have an offensive minded, like if, if Drew Locke was playing under Sean McVay, if Drew Locke was playing under even Cliff Kingsbury, I think we'd be talking about him, much differently because he's got all the talent with his arm in the world. Yeah. I think he would be good on this Carolina team this year in all honesty. Yeah. I, I'd agree. With, I'd agree with that. I think, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, I, you know, I think that Drew Locke has the opportunity to be that. And Baker Mayfield has worked with offensive coaches in his career. It's just so important where you end up. And uh, Drew Locke has not ended up in great situations for offensive football. No. So let's change this one up a little bit. If you can prove, improve a single position on this team overnight that's not quarterback, <laughs> what would it be? Oh, okay. Um, I would improve the like right tackle spot. They had Zeke Powell go down um, against Auburn. He, he was questionable for this week I think he might be out for a little bit um so they need they need another anchor on the offensive line 
Um, and I think that that would really help the running game and the pass protection because they were kind of struggling more than I expected them to. Um, my backup choice would be center. They lost Michael Maietti, who was really good. Uh, he, he was the Rutgers transfer who played there for two years and, uh, he did a really good job there. So I, I think maybe they're missing a little bit of communication from that center spot. So I'd say either center or right tackle would be the, the spots that I would try to improve the most right now. Besides quarterback. Besides quarterback, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> big, big caveat to that question. Yes. I, I, you know, I know we've, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but Sam Horn, I don't understand why he hasn't played. He was phenomenal at Collins Hill and then went into college and it seems like he hasn't even gotten an opportunity to play yet. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely hurt that he did not come for the spring semester. He, he showed up um, in the summer session, but yeah, I mean, he seems like a smart kid. He seems like he's got a lot of talent. So I don't know why he didn't like, I, I just, I, I don't understand why Jack Abraham is the number two, nothing against Jack Abraham. Who's been around forever. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 32. He's probably not much younger than me, but you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's a good quarterback, but like he, this is, this is it for him. This is his last year. So like Mizzou is not competing for an SEC East title this year. So why not have Tyler Macon as your number two quarterback? Why not have Sam Horn as your number two quarterback? Somebody who has a chance to contribute beyond this year. You know, that's, that's what I, that's what I want to see. I mean, I, if, and if you're still getting Sam Horn up to speed, then that's a coaching staff and maybe drink with not having enough time to both coordinate the offense and, uh, you know, run an entire team, which goes back to me calling for him to hire an offensive coordinator earlier, which I think would be a very smart move. So I'm going to throw another question in here that I didn't put on the outline. I kind of talked about this when we recorded some yesterday. I think Dan Mullen would be a good offensive coordinator hire if he would take the job for this team because they are so much more talented than the level they play at. And that's one thing he's always been good at is taking guys and having them perform way outside of what they should be doing. I, and with how much Dan Mullen hates Georgia, I think if he would have got a call on <laughs> Sunday, he would have taken this job on Monday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think that that would work because, you know, the big gripe with, uh, with Dan Mullen from Florida fans is that, you know, Damian Pierce right now is starting for the Houston Texans and looking really good as a rookie and they're like, why did he average like seven carries a game last in, in but drink with that's his strength is feeding one running back. You know, he had Tyler Beatty, he's had Larry Roundtree. So, you know, they, they, he, he gives his running backs the football early and often. So he's always, so I think that they would balance each other out well in that regard. So that's, that's not a bad idea. Let's, uh, let's start tweeting it, Dan, now that he's a college football analyst and see if he'll uh, <laughs> take on the task here. So who is your favorite player on this team and why? And we've had guys give us an offensive and defensive before. So if you want to do that, that's all right as well. Uh, defensively, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely Martez Manuel, the safety who he's, it's unfair to call him a safety. He, he's kind of like a corner linebacker safety hybrid. He's one of the team captains. He's, uh, you know, one of the hardest hitters in the SEC Like that dude does that dude does everything for the defense uh, and, and he's been there forever just just love that in this era of constant transfers he's uh, he's he's stayed at Mizzou he's got the talent to play wherever um 
And he's just, he's a great leader for the team. And I think that that's really important. Um, and then offensively, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Luther Burden and just hope that he, uh, he stays and continues to, uh, to show his, his, uh, his leadership and, uh, and his insane level of skill on, on offense. Yeah, watching that punt return against Abilene Christian, and once again, I know it's a lower-level opponent, but just the absolute athleticism and instinct he showed on that play tells you what this offense could be. And he took some snaps in the Wildcat formation against uh, Louisiana Tech in week one and looked awesome doing it. And, like, I know that he didn't get a target or he didn't get a touch at all offensively uh, against Auburn. And I know he was hurt in the second quarter. That's what Drinkwitz said today. And his only job was to be back there fielding punts. But it's like, if he's healthy enough to field punts, then like he should have been healthy enough to be targeted on that final drive of the game or something. So I, I don't understand that. Um, if he's, especially if he's with hurt, the violence and kick return. Yeah. It's like, if he's, if he's healthy enough to be out there fielding punts, then like, he's healthy enough to get a direct snap or something on the game's most important drive. If not, then keep him out on punt returns too. Like it's one or the other. Don't, don't risk him on punt returns. I, I didn't understand that, but uh, you know, the first quarter he was healthy and he, they targeted him a couple of times, but uh, Brady cook, you know, launched one of the balls into orbit. And, uh, and I think he was trying, I think he was trying to hit that asteroid first, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't. So, you know, they just didn't, get the ball to him and they, they've got to scheme up ways to get the ball in his hands in the first drive of the game. So it's plain and simple. I mean, watching that Auburn game, it just seemed like nobody wanted to win. I think that's one of the all time. Nobody wanted, I mean, to miss a 26 yard right down the middle chip shot from uh, all SEC kicker <laughs> was bad enough. That's, that's Mizzou enough, but then to be running in for the, winning touchdown and to just have it slip through your fingers like that uh, like like it, it was it I wasn't even upset like I was just waiting for something like that to happen because that's life as a Mizzou fan like if if the refs aren't giving teams extra downs like they did back in 1990 on the fit, the iconic fifth down play that kept Colorado's uh national title hopes alive and they're they're giving them untimed downs, which was a devastating loss against uh, Kentucky a couple years ago. And if not, if 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 the refs aren't killing them, then they're just gonna miss an easy kick. That like this this is this is one of those moments that it's just like that it was one of the, like like the pressure obviously is on, but like this is just, like I've gone out into the park and made twenty six yard field goals consistently, <laughs> just like with my buddies. Like I, I didn't face any pressure, so I, I'm not saying like I could. But then they come out and say like, "Oh, Harrison Mevis doesn't uh, doesn't take warm up kicks." Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you should start, buddy. Like I, I don't know, I don't know. But that so that and was didn't they take some just, knees right before that and not even try to go for yeah. the end zone? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's 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 uh, that's loser football, and like you can call you can call safe plays. You have a you have a quarterback who's one of his assets is his legs. Even if you lose yardage on three straight runs, you still are in well within Harrison Mevis's range, and then the football gods aren't against you. So, you know, it was just it was it was it was loser football to set that 
set up that field goal instead of trying to get it in from the two or three yard line. And they were punished for it. And Jordan Hare stadium is, it's witchcraft. I don't know what, I don't know what's going on there, but it it can't be legal and it's certainly not fair. (laughs) So God's an all that fan. Yeah, exactly. I think the best part about that whole field goal was Brady Cook's reaction. (laughs) I don't know if you saw it. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I saw it. And uh, yeah, it it was, he was all of us in that moment. Just like, what, what is happening here? Like, but you know, he was putting on his hat to like run out onto the field and shake hands and it's like, Nope, turn it around, buddy. Jeez. So what do you project the record is for Mizzou after the season's over? I'm still hopeful that this team can get to six and six. Um, They have, you know, I I think that they, they better beat Vanderbilt. That's one. They still have, they still have, (laughs) they still have one non-conference game left. Um, So, and it's against a a team that they should beat. Uh, I, I think that, I think that they can beat South Carolina still. So that's three. Now we're at five wins. Um, and you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to beat someone else. I, I don't know. I, I don't know who the other one is. You know, they always play Arkansas pretty well. Um, that's going to be a really tough game this year. Obviously Tennessee is going to be really tough. Can they sneak out a win at Florida in a couple of weeks? That would be absolutely huge for momentum going into the, to the, to the off week. Uh, you know, maybe with some luck, they can beat Kentucky finally and get that demon off their back. I, I don't know. There's, it's like five and seven looking more likely, but I'm still holding out hope that they can get six and six and, uh, and win a, and get to a bowl game because like, that's going to be, that's going to be huge for this freshman class. You know, I talked about how great their freshman recruiting class is. Well, you need to get them extra practices and like getting those like two, two weeks of extra practices is huge for freshmen because like they usually rest up starters during that time. And they let the Sam horns, they let the, the four-star freshman that the class is loaded with. They let those guys get all the practice because like the bowl game is like a glorified exhibition. So, you know, I really want them to get to six and six or maybe five and seven with uh, some APR help. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know where they are in the APR standings, but uh, maybe they got some, some uh, geniuses on the team this year. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's My what I favorite. Go ahead, Wes. That's what I was saying last night when we were recording. There's a chance for this team to go six and six. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the hopeful, uh, <laughs> the hopeful. To act. Like I said, they play Florida well, for whatever for whatever reason. So that's going to be a key game in a couple of weeks. Yeah. My favorite non-Georgia stat in the SEC is that Florida has a losing record against two SEC East teams, Georgia and Missouri. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's that's it. They got this. We are all rooted. We will all be tigers that day. <laughs> well, we'll we'll need all the support. Uh, and if you don't need some of your second team players that week, uh, you go, <laughs> feel free to to lo- send them on loan to uh, to Mizzou. That'd be great. No transfer for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll we'll bail out Javon Bullard and he'll come down and play star. <laughs> we'll take him. 
So this is a question that I've had for a while. Who is Missouri's biggest rival? It can be SEC or non-SEC. Oh, it's definitely Kansas then. I mean, they haven't played since Mizzou left. I mean, they've got future games on the on the schedule um, to start in a, maybe 2025. I don't know off the top of my head what year that they restart that rivalry. But, yeah, without a doubt, um, you know, this Arkansas rivalry is kind of forced. And it's become a really good rivalry because Arkansas is no longer trash. Um, but like also, also it's kind of a good rivalry because both fan bases so strongly insist that it's not a rivalry <laughs> that like, it makes, it makes the other fan bases mad. Like everybody gets mad when you refer to it as a rivalry because Mizzou doesn't think that Arkansas lives up to the rivalry name and Arkansas is like, well, Mizzou's not a rival. Like we're an SEC team, blah, blah, blah. So it's actually become a pretty good rivalry based on that hatred of it being called a rivalry but uh, <laughs> the, the, the Missouri Kansas rivalry dates back to the Civil War and like we don't need to get into which state was on which side here but uh, <laughs> a, a troop from a troop from Columbia Missouri like literally burnt Lawrence Kansas to the ground um, so that's uh, that's where that's what the uh, Tigers nickname is based off of is that troop from the Civil War um, and so it, this this rivalry has like deep seated roots. So yeah, anything, yeah. no matter even if even if Mizzou and Kansas never play again, like this is still the biggest rivalry and will remain so in into eternity for both schools. Just uh, you know the, the it's I'm glad that they are going to play again. But yeah, it, just it's devastating on weekends when Mizzou loses and Kansas wins and uh you know I'm I I'm just so ready for the bottom to fall out on Kansas because they haven't played they haven't played anybody <laughs> like like credit to Kansas because they are winning games that they normally lose but that's normally because they go one and 11 every season um so you know like congrats on beating Duke in West Virginia but uh let's let's see how you do against Oklahoma and Texas and Iowa State and Oklahoma State and, you know, Baylor, all the big boys in the Big 12. They might not win again this season. I would like to see Kansas in a bowl. I saw well, they might this year. I saw something projecting them in the uh, the Sugar Bowl against Alabama, and I was like, are you serious? Ooh. Ooh. That's, nice. like, that's so much <laughs> hype that, like, they're uh, a realistic goal for this year's Kansas team should be 6-6. Six and six. Even now, after this four and zero start, and like, and then, and then, I hope that Lance Leipold gets hired by Nebraska, and they lose the one good thing that this program's had since two thousand eleven. So. I said it at the beginning of the season. I think it was on the episode we talked to Connor. Um, the Big Twelve, the best team in the Big Twelve is going to be ten and two, nine and three. They're all just so close together. They're going to cannibalize each other. And I'm here for it because that means a lot of good games. Like there's so many Big and 12 it, games this weekend that are good. And it keeps uh, the Big 12 out of the playoffs so the, the real teams can can uh, get in and we don't have to sit through Oklahoma getting blown out again. I think they lost their playoff bid losing to Kansas State last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, Oklahoma State's the – the lone hope for the and Kansas, I guess, if we want to throw them in there, but they're just, they're gonna. They're, I'm gonna pull up Kansas's right now. There's no way that they go. They win even seven games. Started to do a Kansas hate podcast. 
Yeah. Okay. I told you. Wait. The rest of the way. Mark, mark it down. Mark it down. Not going to lie. The only thing I heard out of that was Candace is going to go one and seven. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so your audio is messing up too. I was over here freaking out thinking it was my headphones. Uh, one and seven. <sighs> I feel so bad. For, I want them to go to a bowl game. <laughs> so what does a successful career look like for coach? And I'm going to try to say his last name completely, but I'm awful at this drink wits. You nailed it. Um, okay. A lot of, a lot of announcers say drink a wits and I don't like that drink with <laughs> just, just the two syllables, there's no way in it. Um, so good. So that was great. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah. Successful career. You know, a successful career at Missouri, I'm realistic. If you can go eight and four more often than not, that's great. Like, nobody's going to get fired for for going eight and four at Missouri. Like, that gets you fired at Texas A&M unless you have Jimbo Fisher's contract. But, uh, but you know, the eight, eight and four is solid. Um, and if every now and then you can make a for ten wins, great if every now and then you can if like once a decade you can win an sec east title well i mean that's better than tennessee can say that's better than south carolina can say that's better than kentucky can say that's true so you know uh you know i'm not even going to mention vanderbilt in this but uh, (laughs) so you know if you can if you can consistently make bowl games mizzou's not going to fire you um that's that's you just got to make a bowl game every year and if you go two years without like that's so, one more negative question before we get into the fun stuff. <laughs> What's your prediction for the game? <laughs> I'm going to go, you know, I think Georgia puts up like 37 points, 38 points. In the I don't think that they <laughs> – I don't <laughs> think that they're going to blow out Mizzou. I, I, I – <laughs> Well, I mean, I I think that they can score 38 points and it'll still be a blowout is what I should say. I think it's going to be like 38 to 10, 38 to 13, um, somewhere in there. Um, So a little bit better than what they did last week against Kent State. But uh, (laughs) I think think it's going to be a long day for for the Tigers. I think that it's, you know, 38 to 7 going into the fourth quarter and then Mizzou gets some garbage time. production but you know we'll, we'll see we'll see I, I you know this offense I think they'll move the ball a little bit on the ground but the passing game I don't think it's going to be able to do anything unless Brady Cook does something special so we are eventually going to make a trip out to Como not this weekend I thought about it but um I live in Savannah we're supposed to get a hurricane on Friday so probably will not be leaving the house this weekend but when we do make it out, what are the best bars, restaurants, traditions, sites we need to see? Give us a, give us a top few things to do in Como. Well, if you if you want to get out get away from the hurricane, I can guarantee you it won't be in Columbia, Missouri. <laughs> so that's that's one of the games I can guarantee will not be canceled this or postponed or delayed or anything this weekend because of a hurricane. Um, so yeah, the the must do things. I mean, you know, the 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 famous things are Shakespeare's Pizza, uh, right off campus, and then Harpo's is the bar that everybody goes to after the game. But uh, 
you know, Heidelberg is like the better bar that I always liked. It was right across from the journalism school. So that was uh, a nice little bar restaurant to go to. Um, and then Booch's has some of the best burgers in the country, not just, uh, and those are like the four mainstays, like Columbia, I, I graduated in 2012 and Columbia has completely changed in that time. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I don't even recognize anymore. My sister graduated in 2016 and even she doesn't recognize a lot of it anymore, but those, those, they're still there um and so those are great places to check out um traditions i mean you got to go on homecoming weekend because missouri invented homecoming uh so they always do it up they always do it up big every year um and so so that's uh that's a that's a really big big thing in como learn something new every day i was about to say yeah. i had no idea they invented homecoming but I'm also a huge history guy. So the thing you were talking about with Kansas and the Civil War and now that, like, I, I'm going to have to do a couple deep dives because I'm big, <laughs> I'm big nerd at heart. So I, I'll definitely be looking this stuff up. So we can move into the rapid fire part. And this is kind of rapid fire, kind of not. Just give us the length of answer that you want to on these. Um, but this is the this is the part where you try to get to know you better. Because, and, you know, I'll say it again, there were a lot of people in the college football world that I absolutely hated until Connor had them on his podcast. And I actually got to know their personality and like outside of what they say on TV or their performance or what they write and all that kind of stuff. So we're trying to bring a little bit of that over to our side and just kind of get some people behind the names that you see on these articles. Not saying that people hate you. We're just right. Oh, no. don't worry. People, people definitely, people definitely hate me. So. <laughs> All right. Um, so what is your first college sports memory? All right. So this is what's going to make you guys hate me. Um, but like when I saw the, when I saw this on the outline, I was thinking, I was like really trying to think. And like, I just remember like that 1996 Florida team, like I was six years old at the time. And so like, like, like that was the year, you know, like, I, like, I was becoming a sports fan then. Like I chose the Green Bay Packers because they won the Super Bowl that year. Yes. Like, like I, <laughs> so like I'm a big Packers guy because Brett Favre won the Super Bowl that year, and I've stuck with him even after Brett Favre went into the Aaron Rodgers era. Um. So yeah, like I. So that was my like formative. Like I'm. I grew up in Illinois, so Michael Jordan was like I got to see that firsthand, and I like, go to some of the games during that Last Dance season. So. You know, but college football that year, like Florida was on TV all the time. And I remember watching, you know, Danny Werfel and, uh, and Ike Hilliard. And, you know, they, they had some they had some really, really interesting uh, talent on that team. And uh, just Spurrier's run and gun offense. Like, you know, I've always been a big fan of uh, of passing. So, you know, the fun and gun was really, really interesting to see. And uh, so th that was those were like really like my when I think back, I remember like sitting on the floor of my living room, like watching orange and blue and that's what that's what i remember well at least now we can agree that orange is the worst color in sports <laughs> I, I don't know i'm i'm not uh not great on blue because blue is the uh, kansas color so <laughs> okay i you know what i can agree with that between kentucky and auburn and florida any combination of blue or orange we're just anti-blue <laughs> or orange on this podcast there we go yeah throw, uh, throw tennessee in there for the orange too Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. Especially their fans. Um, yeah, their fans are a lot harder to deal with than the team. <laughs> so if you were a recruit 
and could not go to Missouri, where would your three official visits be? Yeah, I mean, this is something that like I've thought about over the years a lot. And, uh, you know, my answer has changed, I think, probably over the years. Um, Because now I would, you know, pick places like like uh, USC or uh, Stanford, you know, just beautiful places, maybe Oregon, you know, somewhere out on the West Coast, maybe uh, Utah or Colorado. I like to ski. I lived in Utah for a little bit. Um, so, you know, those are those are great. Places. So I don't know. I might look more to the Pac-12 for just to like live in a really cool spot. Um, <laughs> but if it was like for football, if it was like back then when I was when I was actually a high school recruit, you know, I would have considered Illinois. I was like an hour away from Illinois and like three hours away from Missouri. Um, so you, know, you have you have Illinois right there. You have uh, you know the the you know I, I don't know I, I would never have considered Kansas but uh you know <laughs> I, I would have I would have maybe taken a visit to like um to I mean Georgia's always been like a program that I've lagged I have nothing but love for Athens uh, I love the Atlanta area I love Athens uh and I actually went on a on a church trip one time to Knoxville uh, for some sort of youth conference and I oh, liked sorry. the Tennessee campus I like the Tennessee campus though. It was cool. I like uh, I like Knoxville too. So maybe uh, football wise, I would have gone like Georgia and Tennessee. But now nowadays, if I could do it all over again, it'd probably be a Pac-12 school just for the cool cities that they have out there. I will say the church trip to Knoxville makes sense because they definitely need Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so pick a spot outside of the United States to play Kansas. <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, I, I went to Iceland once and that was like one of the most incredible trips ever. We rented a car, my then girlfriend, now wife, we rented a car and drove all the way around the country. Um, cause the country itself is like the size of South Carolina. Uh, so you can pretty easily do like a ring. There's a ring road that goes all the way around the exterior and you can pretty easily do that wow. in a week and see a lot of stuff. And, like, if you just look up, like, Icelandic, like, soccer fields, like, there's, there's some of, like, the, the most scenic, like, it's, it, it, makes, it makes BYU's view at their stadium look like, look like a dumpster. Like, these yeah, soccer yeah. fields, these soccer fields in, in Iceland are incredible. So, like, you convert one of those, clearly they have experience converting those into, into football um, places. So, you know, I, I, I think, I think it would be, like, a, Iceland or uh, you know Norway or Sweden, you know some sort of Scandinavian country with incredible, incredible views. You know, these are so and in cool. August, and in August it's it gets up like like when we were there in August one year it was uh, it got up to like sixty five degrees and they were calling it a heat wave. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it'll 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 be nice and cool. You can guarantee that. So I think Wes and I both just looked up these pictures and I think we both immediately changed our answers to this question. That'd be so cool. I would go watch Missouri and Kansas and Iceland. Yeah, there you I go. I would go watch soccer in Iceland and I don't even like soccer. It's, a, so, it's an, an incredible country. That blew my mind. I, I always knew it was beautiful, but the, where they have those fields is just insane. Yeah. I, I assume they go through quite a few soccer balls. 
just losing several <laughs> into the yeah. ocean and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I got to finish processing this before I get to the next question because I am, <laughs> that's, that's definitely going to be the Instagram picture for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So what is your favorite alternate uniform or is there a combination of alternate uniform that you would like to see Missouri use? Um, I like it when they go either all white or the matte black helmets are really cool. Um, and then they also have the block M, which is a throwback that is really popular. I, I gotta be honest, like Mizzou has a ton of great uniform combinations. Like, like they're the Oregon of the SEC. Like, they really are. Like, the, like name another, you know, and I get it. Like, you know, Alabama is never going to change what they do. You, you know, Georgia for a long time has felt that the black jerseys are cursed. You know, Auburn doesn't change what it does, really. Uh, Texas A&M doesn't really change things up. Uh, you know, so, so the Vols have the smoke grays, but those are really mixed reactions among fans. So, you know, the, the, the SEC doesn't necessarily always get a ton of uh, flash with the uniforms. So I'm glad that Mizzou can bring that a little bit. So I, I, I like a lot of their, their combos. Uh, you know, I, I haven't seen one yet that I, that I don't like, but I like their icy white combos and I like their matte black combos a lot. Yeah. You know, you brought up the black jerseys being cursed. I don't understand why Georgia fans think they're cursed. We've only lost one game wearing the black jerseys. <laughs> I don't get it either, but uh, it's always uh, it's always controversial when they when they decide to break those out. I'm even a Georgia fan. I don't understand it. <laughs> and we're I think we've been called before. Was it Sean that called us Jersey whores? Yeah. Because uh, we we call for black jerseys or something different quite literally every week. I um, yeah. Go ahead, Wes. I took a deep dive into every video and picture Georgia posted before the Oregon game. Like this is why we're wearing black this game, and they did. <laughs> and they even called for a fan blackout and still wore red. That's the part <laughs> that makes us the most mad. Like fans were black, and then they post a video on their Instagram that's just all black stuff. And we're like. We're getting it. We're getting it. And then they come out in red. And don't get me wrong. I love the red uniforms. I like the block numbers. But, guys, frustrating. <laughs> and I will say my favorite part about Mizzou Stadium is the stone block M in the end zone. Every it time cool. Georgia plays at Mizzou, I love just the view of that. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool it's a cool feature. And this is the stadium is actually pretty nice and like you know, it, it has like a 70,000 capacity. And like when I was in college, 2008, 2012, it was, it was really, they were at the capacity every single week. Like it was, it was like they, Mizzou fans will show up for good teams. They, they appreciate good teams, but like you got to put the product on the field and then the fans will show up. Like I promise you, if they have a good team, fans will be there. Do you have to every pay? game? What's that? Do you have to pay to sit there, or like is it kind of just like a hey, come and watch thing to sit? Because I mean, you see people there sitting on the rock pile. Like I'm pretty sure you can just go and sit there if you have a seat anywhere in the stadium. Uh, I think they do sell a certain amount of like hill seats that you can yeah. sit there, but like I, I don't think that they stop you if you have a actual seat in the stadium and you want to sit on the 
rocks. Um, sitting <laughs> on the rocks, them, sitting on the rocks themselves, I can confirm gets a little bit uncomfortable after a, a few minutes. But uh, <laughs> sitting on that hill next to them, now that's that's a that's a good experience. Yeah. Wes, when we take our trip to Missouri, at, we're doing it. We're sitting on the rocks. At least for a few minutes. I know. At least for there, a few minutes. There has to be history behind that. I'm sure. Well, I know that I know that when you're a senior that you get to like take one of the rocks. So Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So they just That's really cool. You just replace the rocks every year? I think so. A certain percentage of them, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so since we're on the stadium, what is the best spot in the stadium to sit in your opinion? Oh, I mean this, so I, I, I don't know if they've changed it, but the student section when I was there was like right on the 50 yard line um, behind the Mizzou bench. Uh, I, I think that they've changed it to make it behind the opponent's bench, which makes a lot of sense. Um, makes more sense. Yeah. Um, so maybe they did that. But yeah, I, I think they do a good job of, you know, not sticking the students in uh, in a disadvantageous uh, place in the stadium so I, I think the student section is the way to go if, uh, and if not I mean you know the hill is unique so get on the hill <laughs> so this can be currently back when you were at Mizzou it's your choice on this one but after a night out drinking what's your go-to food that can be type of food specific restaurant it just this is kind of your discretion on how you want to answer this one Oh, I mean, when my senior year, I lived like within walking distance of a McDonald's. So, I mean, I just go, go there in the morning after a night out of drinking, but uh, there's, there's a downtown, there was a, there was a Mexican spot that was open. The bars would close at like two and the Mexican spot stayed open till like three. So that was an hour that I think that they did like a month's worth of business every Saturday. Um, so, so they, they, that, that was really good. Uh, I think it's called like El Rancho or something. Um, so, so I mean, just a just like a massive greasy uh, Mexican food is you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, no, I. So I think I've said it before on this show. Athens has recently gotten a Chick Fil A right there across from the Arch, and they're not open Saturday past midnight. But if you go out on a Friday before a game, they close at three or four in the morning. And, yeah, I was gonna uh, say that's a uh, that's that's tough for the Saturday night drinking uh, crowd though. Well, you know, it, in Athens, we don't get night games, so it's it's not too big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So let's add a little caveat to this one, because we know how much you hate Kansas. So <laughs> outside of Kansas, what team or fan base is your favorite to talk trash to? Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's either Florida or Arkansas right now, just because like they think that that Mizzou doesn't belong in the SEC and yet Mizzou has a winning record against both since joining the, the SEC. Uh, and, and so like Tennessee fans terrify me. I'm, I'm glad that Tennessee's good this year so I can <laughs> stay on their good side a little bit. I, and I, I have had Tennessee at third in my SEC power rankings all year just because I've believed in this team. Um, but you know, I, I, like, yeah, Tennessee fans terrify me, but, uh, like I like I love talking trash to Florida and uh, and uh, and Arkansas fans and uh, Kentucky fans are sneaky sneaky hate filled on on Twitter. You know now that they have a decent football program, that everybody's 
acting like they're lifelong fans of Kentucky football. And uh, I don't know about that. It's like, okay, name, name even your previous coach before Mark Stoop. Can't be done. <laughs> Chief, so. The hefty lefty. <laughs> yeah, it was either they, Kentucky fans seem to think that they transitioned straight from uh, Lorenzen to the Stoops era, but uh, I'm, I'm here to tell you that they, that they did not. They did not. <laughs> well, Adam, is there anything you would like to say as a closing comment to the listeners? Uh, just, uh, I just want to reiterate once again, Kansas is not making a bowl game this year. And, uh, I'm, I'm making, I'm making this prediction first on your podcast. Um, so that's an exclusive for you guys. Yes. Uh, mark it down five and seven this year. Love it. Well, Adam, we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us and, um, we'll probably, we'll probably try and get you back on closer to, um, deep into basketball season. If that's all right with you. Um, oh, I love, I I love some college hoops, so absolutely. We have very little hope in Athens for uh, for college basketball. <laughs> I'm excited this year. Are, <laughs> I, I'm excited like. to lose in the first round of the conference tournament and not make the NCAA tournament again. It's tradition. <laughs> well, hey, you, got, you, it, you shouldn't be able to be good at football and basketball, so. It's only well, fair. Auburn and Kentucky claim they're good at both. Yeah, but they're not. They're not uh, even making it to the SEC championship game in football. So, well, once again, I think we both. I know we both want to thank you for coming on and talking to us tonight. Um, Wes, do you have anything? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I know it's kind of like last minute, but yeah, I appreciate you hopping on with us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, happy to do it. Uh, yeah, this is more fun than the game's going to be on Saturday, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never hey, know. <laughs> stay positive. Stay positive. The game's over at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they hang into it for 20 minutes. <laughs> All right, Adam. W- once again, we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, good good luck as a question. <laughs> yeah well i'll take it i'll take it all right so for our picks of this game the spread is as of monday evening the spread is minus 28 in georgia's favor went up went up and if you were to bet on georgia to cover the spread You'd have to put a hundred dollars down to win one. Oh my god! But the over under is at fifty four and a half. To me, the over is easy money on this because, let's be honest, if uh, if if Kansas State can put up forty, and Georgia coming off of that awful performance, and Kirby getting in their asses all week. They don't put up more than 48, 50. He's going to get in their asses again this week. Jesus, dude. Not minus 10,000 on the money line. Uh huh. Uh huh. It opened up because it opened up at 16. Oh, I saw it open at 26. Was it 26? That's what I saw. I know I said it to the group. I, don't, I can't remember. But still, 
It went if you up. are in the Columbia, Missouri area, you can get in this game for as little as $35. Dude, let's go. <laughs> if I left with this hurricane coming, I would come home. If my house was still here, I would come home to an empty one. <laughs> for being rated or Kelsey? <laughs> Kelsey, 100%. 100%. <laughs> She would find some movers crazy enough to pack all of our shit and get it out of the house. In a hurricane. In a hurricane. Yeah, I don't... I don't see this game being close. Hey, according to the FPI, you know, Missouri has a 5.2% chance to win this game. Yeah, which honestly, so I think that's actually more than Auburn has against us. Yeah, Auburn has a 4% chance, according to the FBI, to beat us. The thing about it, and I said it last week when we were talking about the Auburn-Mizzou game, Missouri has more talent than Auburn. They just can't put it together. They just can't put it together. It, you know what? I, I don't like the guy whatsoever. But if they if, – if Coach Drink called up Dan Mullen, said, come be my offensive coordinator – they'd be bowl eligible by the end of the year. Mm, yeah. I mean, they definitely would have beat Auburn. They would have beat Auburn. And then they still have yet to play Vanderbilt, South Carolina, New Mexico State. So they would only have to take one game against either Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, or Arkansas to get bowl eligible at that point. We all know that. Missouri is Florida's nemesis, and that's a noon kickoff in the swamp. Missouri is one of two teams in the East to have a winning record against the University of Florida. The others, the other team is the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So Missouri is an elite company with that stat. Oh dear God! And they've been to the SC championship more times in recent history than Auburn has. So. The, Missouri has won the SEC East more times in the 21st century or more times in the last decade than Tennessee. Yeah. So, um, looking at these numbers, though, it kind of pisses me off. We have a lot more points than Alabama has. Yeah, but Alabama's got a tougher schedule the rest of the way. Yeah, Alabama's allowed 7.3 points a game. We have allowed eight. Thanks a lot, Kent State. Um, but, yeah, no, I don't think this game's close. I think the offense has a career day. And A.D. Mitchell and Arian Smith are rumored to be healthy and back for the game. So, If Arian Smith is back, they're going to get him touches early. Yeah. I, You know what? Here it would be if I, if I could just speak this into the ether and have Todd Munkin pull it out. Do a double end around where it goes – it goes once to Brock, and he pitches it to Arian Smith with the entire defense going the other way and get Arian like a 70-yard touchdown as his first touchback from injury. Unstoppable. That's if he's come back. This is being rumored right now. Regardless of the game, I don't care. His <laughs> first touch needs to be a double reverse where he where Stetson hands it to Brock, who pitches it to Arian, who takes it to the house. Because you know the whole defense is going to go after Brock. Oh, absolutely. So with this one, twenty-eight points. I don't I don't like to do this. I don't like to do this with big spreads. Mark Drake syndrome. 
Yeah, my my MRAS, my Mark Richt anxiety syndrome. <sighs> I got to take Georgia to cover the 28. I got to. I guess to. I, to me, you just, knowing what Kirby Smart does, knowing how he's got in every asshole there was available. <laughs> and especially with that arrest of Javon Bullard, knowing <laughs> that there was almost inevitably other teammates at that party when they allowed him to leave. Yeah. This is going to be the best this team has looked all season, and that's saying something. Yeah. Dear God. Poor, I mean, I said it – yes, I said it later on Saturday. Like, poor Missouri. Yeah. So, over under steps in second quarter. Second quarter or second half? Quarter. Do you think he? Do you think he comes out after the half? I think he has one drive after the half. I think he. I think he has a career day. I think he beats this day he had against UAB last year. I think he has a career day. Oh yeah, for sure. I think Dejan Edwards possibly leads the team in uh, in rushing yards today or Saturday too. I could see that. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be brutal. I'm looking forward to it if I can watch it. If you can watch it, luckily it's a night game. So, yes, luckily it's a night game. So maybe they'll you know wake up for this one. Maybe. So, since this episode is going to be coming out just before October first, you want to go ahead and make our announcement? Yeah, let's do it. All right, guys. This is um, this is something that we found out about last week. Um, honestly, I'm I'm super excited. I don't even really know how to say this, just because of how excited I am. So we have partnered with the ASW Distillery out of Atlanta. Um, our good friend, friend of the show, awesome guy, David Booth. He runs the uh, distillery at the Battery. He has set us up with the marketing team over at ASW. And in the month of October, we are going to be doing a giveaway partnership with them. Um, and potentially, if it goes well, every month moving forward, we're going to do, at least through the end of the season, we're going to do a giveaway. And so this giveaway, at least this first one, consists of a bottle, a hat, and a t-shirt. And... We're still working out the details on which bottle, um, but I think you guys are going to be excited with what we've preliminarily talked about so far. We're still trying to figure out the details of what exactly we're going to do. Um, but, yeah, so we've, we've partnered with ASW Distillery out of Atlanta. And it, just to give you guys a little bit of history on the distillery itself, the both founders, Charlie Thompson, Jim Chastain, UGA grads, Jim's wife, who runs the tasting room at the Battery, UGA grad, the master distiller, and I really don't want to pronounce his last name wrong, Justin Menglitz, UGA grad, and their chief marketing officer, Chad, well, once again, let me make sure I don't pronounce his name wrong, Ralston, is also UGA grad. As you guys know, they're big, just Georgia sports fanatics in general. They did that UGA national championship bottle. I've got one of them sitting on my shelf over here. 
they did a World Series bottle for the Braves that they charred some maple baseball bats and aged in the barrel with the whiskey. Oh, wow. um, I've got got one of those sitting over there, too. I haven't cracked either of them yet because I honestly want to back up before I get into it, just so I always have one sitting on the shelf. Um, but yeah, it's, what I'm, it's what I'm drinking tonight. I've got a Maris Otter of theirs as well. I've tried pretty much everything in the lineup. It's all phenomenal stuff. So if you haven't, go get yourself a bottle of ASW liquor. I mean, they make good gin. Their vodka's good. All of their whiskey's good. They've got a peated-style American single malt. So if you like Isla whiskeys out of Scotland, um, Ardbeg, like you were drinking, they make something in the Ardbeg style. Hmm. Uh, just phenomenal Georgia whiskey. So... That's our big announcement. I'm really excited. I hope you guys are just as excited as I am to uh, to have our first partnership going here. And we'll put out something on our Instagram that's kind of going to be where everything's run out of. So, um, yeah, we're just we're we're fairly we're fairly ecstatic about that. And I want to say thank you again to David for uh, for helping make this happen. So, just to get into it. Instagram, where all of our ASW stuff is going to be coming out. We'll probably put it out on Twitter some too, but pro probably mostly Instagram. Yeah. Um, you're going to find us at nothing.finer.pod. Facebook group is Nothing Finer Podcast on Facebook. We've got the Twitter, which is at FinerPod, right, Wes? Yeah. Yep. Um, and then we've got that Gmail that we've got, uh, nothingfinerpod at gmail.com. If you're interested in any of the merch we're selling, get on that Facebook group. Send me a message. It's pinned to the top. Everything we've got going on. Is there anything I'm missing? No, just keep an eye out. Yeah. We'll, we'll be coming out with something here soon. Probably on October 1st that morning, we'll have something to put out. Depending really on, uh, on how much power and internet that I've got available to me. Um... So I think we're going to go ahead and close this one out here. Just remember there's nothing finer in the land. And a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. <laughs>